Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning again. It's a joy to open the word of the Lord together and to continue a series uh, that you've been having looking at biblical characters. Um, This morning when I woke up, I checked my email and there was something from Rodney. Beautiful word of encouragement from from Rodney. Uh, what a kind, wonderful man. So he said he'd be watching this service. He's in um, he's in the states, I believe, and it's his birthday today. So beloved brother, wherever the cameras are, wherever you are, happy birthday, and uh, and I'll do my best for you. I know you're praying for all of us this morning. I'd like to dive into the book of Jonah today. We'll be looking at Jonah for two weeks, and I love this book. It's one of the few biblical books that most people think they know. You know, I know Jonah, Jonah and the whale, Jonah swallowed up and spit out on the on the shore. Sure, I know Jonah, one of the 12 minor prophets. And um, But let's see what God had to say to us through Jonah in a fresh way today. Jonah 1.1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But, one of the big buts of the Bible, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound out of that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Did he know what he was doing? Yes, he did. He was running from the Lord. Let's look at a few keys as we open up the book. Keys to the book. Key characters. Who are the characters in this book? I'd say the two key ones are God and and Jonah. Pretty simple. Jonah is known as the reluctant prophet. What does his name mean? Jonah. If you were Hebrew, you'd know Jonah means dove. I heard it. Someone knows. Oh, Oh, Dave. Come on now. When the arm goes down, then you can shoot this. His name means dove. I thought you were also intelligent. They all, <laughs> a lot of Hebrew speakers here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. His name means dove, and his full name is Jonah, son of Amittai. Amittai means truth. So I don't have a screen to see what I've written. Very nice work on the graphics, David. Thank you very much. So he's, he's Jonah, son of Amittai. I am Rob Patterson. Patterson is Irish, meaning son of Peter, but my father is Paul. Around the world, we have the same naming method. Vaughn in German, De in France, Wa in Swahili, meaning you are of this family, from or of or. So he's Jonah of Amittai. He is Dove, which means in Hebrew represents Peace and hope. Remember the dove came back with the branch. So his name means hope, son of truth. So if you were Hebrew and you were reading this this narrative, you'd be reading about hope, son of truth. And that would mean something to you. Would mean something. Second key is places. You have all these places that most of us have never been to. Joan is told to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh no longer exists. What is he he doing up there? 
It's a map. David, we need a TV up there so I can see your handiwork. Nineveh no longer exists. It existed in Mosul, in Iraq. So there's Iraq and then there's Iran, Syria, um, just uh, a little bit farther south. Turkey, about 150 kilometers north of Mosul. And then down to the south is Saudi Arabia in the Arab Peninsula. Um, now, even more important, we need to know Nineveh was Israel's worst enemy. The Israel did not have a heart for the Ninevites, or Nineveh became the capital of Assyria. Um, Jonah, when he heard the word of the Lord saying, run to Nineveh, he did not run. He went down to the port of Joppa, another key place. Joppa is a port, um, a port city still there. If you've been to Israel, you probably landed in Tel Aviv. If you landed in Tel Aviv, well, Joppa, now known as Jaffa, is one of the neighborhoods in Tel Aviv. So if you've, if you've been to Israel, you've, you've pretty much been very close to Joppa, um, now called Jaffa. So where did he decide to run to? If he wasn't going to go to Nineveh, where God called him, about 500 kilometers north and east, he decided to go to, let's go to Spain, he thought. Let's go 2,500 miles, 4,000 kilometers to the west rather than to the east. He was going to travel about the same distance that Sarah and I just drove our little car from Vancouver to St. Catharines. He was taking a ship west for 4,000 kilometers. A huge trip in those days. You can just imagine. These are some of the keys to understand because we have a historical distance, a, ge- a geographical distance from the story. Um, Jonah, one of the minor prophets, it, it was thought to be a narrative originally, a story. It, it has poetry in it as well. It's a beautiful story, and, and God wants to speak to us through it. And originally, a lot of theologians thought that it was, it was not necessarily historically valid, but theologically valid. Um, and I think that, that a lot of us have something in common with Jonah. Sometimes we run when we're scared. God says something, and and it frightens us, and we run. I think that we can have wrong motives. Jonah did not have good motives. Sometimes we make mistakes, and Jonah knew mistakes. And like Jonah, God can do something good with something that's been broken. And that's you, and that's me. And God uses broken things. And we're grateful for that. So Jonah is a great example, a person called of God, sent by God to needy people, a person who knew how to cross cultures. Chapter 1, we learn of Jonah's command from God to go to Nineveh. Thank you, Lydia, for reading well. Appreciate that. I had particularly asked for a reading with verve. A reading Because if you read this story with verve and with emphasis, you'll understand it better. Because it's an incredible story. The word of the Lord, it starts off with the word of the Lord came to hope, son of truth, Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, what did Jonah do? But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Went down to Joppa, 
and found a ship, and we know the rest of the story. And this is where we find Jonah's first principle. When you hear God's voice, run. When you hear God's voice, run. Jonah ran in the wrong direction. Don't follow his example. When you hear the voice of God, when you hear him speaking through his people, his word, through his Holy Spirit, run. Run in the direction God calls you to go. We find the principle in verse 2. God saying, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. When Jonah heard the voice of God, he did run. But he ran in fear the wrong direction. Have you ever run the wrong direction? Well, you may ask, well, what is God's direction? In general, you know, what kind of direction does God ask us to go? Well, I'd say you can trust this. His direction is usually in the way of love and joy and peace and patience. He's usually going to send you in the direction of kindness and goodness, gentleness and faithfulness, and self-control. If you're heading that direction, you're probably going in the right direction. Amen? Oh, isn't that wonderful? Thank you for making me feel at home. Uh, as I, I had a church in, in Nairobi, Kenya. He speaks Swahili. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. I just said, God bless you, and it's nice that you're here. I wish I spoke German. Because <laughs> then I could speak to a whole lot more of you. <laughs> but to have a brother and a sister who speaks Swahili here this morning is a gift. Welcome. You've come a long way, like Jonah. So his principle is to run. And run in these ways of love and joy and peace and patience. In order to understand Jonah, we need a little bit more background, some history. He was to run to Nineveh. Nineveh. Until 150 years ago, they thought it was just this fictional city. Until in 1847, a young British explorer found the city and found a palace with 70 rooms. Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. There was, there were two great powers, Babylon, Babylonians, and Assyria, the Assyrians. And they fought, and they, they, their power, there was an ebb and flow to power in these ancient times in that area, in Arabia. And the fortunes of Babylon and Assyria were up and down. Sometimes Babylon was stronger, sometimes Assyria. In 612 BC, the Babylonians completely destroyed Nineveh. The city existed. So the city of Nineveh existed for 3,700 years. The city was there for 3,700 years until the Babylons wiped it off the face of the earth. Well, they buried it, but we found it. The explorer did. So it reminds me of St. Catharines, the great city of St. Catharines, where I was born, that was incorporated in 1845. St. Catharines has been here for 173 years. 173. So we've got a long way to go to catch up to Nineveh, to the 3,700 years that that city existed. 
A couple hundred years before Jonah went to Nineveh, it became the residence of the Assyrian king. Uh, the Assyrian king's name was Sennacherib. And he decided he was going to build the most beautiful capital city on earth and call it Nineveh. And from the very beginning, it was a city built on hatred and jealousy. The only reason that Sennacherib wanted to build this beautiful city of, of Nineveh was to have a city that was better than... Who does a man want to have a city better than? Sorry? Somebody else. <laughs> Brilliant. Somebody else. Usually somebody you know. Your brother would be my first guess. Very close. If it's not your brother, it might be your enemy. It's his father, Sargon II. Sargon II had, had this, this other city and Sennacherib wanted a city better than his dad. He hated his father. He wanted everything to be better than his father. In this city, 2,000 years ago, there was a botanical garden, a zoo, temples, palaces, fortifications. He wanted anything to make his city more strong and more beautiful than his father's. He had slaves dig a channel 48 kilometers long to bring water to his 70-room temple. He had running water 2,000 years ago in Nineveh in his house. And, you know, many, the vast majority of the world doesn't have running water in their house. And here's Sennacherib in Nineveh had water those many hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He wanted this house to be the best house in the world and this city to represent the greatest empire, the Assyrian Empire. He built walls. How tall do you you know? How tall do we make walls in St. Catharines? Well, if you have a nine-foot wall, that's a good-sized wall. Ten foot, it's a good-sized wall. His we, his walls around the city, thirteen kilometers by five kilometers long. The walls were forty to fifty feet high. Huge walls around the city. It was a beautiful, modern, well-planned, detestable city built by a son who wanted to be better than his father. Built on pride. Arrogance and insecurity. Oops, sorry. Pride and arrogance and insecurity. I'm going to be better than my dad. I'm going to have to show the service to my dad when I get home. My old dad. So instead of heading to the east of Nineveh, Jonah heads to the west. He ran from the Lord. He took a ship in the opposite direction. God brought a storm and Jonah was thrown overboard to save the ship from God's wrath. He knew that he was the reason that the ship was sinking. Interesting, isn't it? Jonah knew what he had done. So he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. It's my fault. Have you ever had a time in your life when decisions you have made have put you in the wrong place? You knew that you were running from God. You knew that you were destroying yourself and maybe destroying the people around you. I, I served as a chaplain in a maximum security penitentiary for three years. Spring Hill Penitentiary. Full of, it was a, all full of men. Men who had run the wrong way. Beautiful men. Hurt men. Strong men. Dangerous men. Men that God loves, but men that had gone the wrong direction. And many of them had hurt their families, their communities, all of those around them. 
Let's continue the story. Jonah's been thrown into the sea and miraculously he's been swallowed by a huge fish. Some say it's a whale. We'll talk about it next week. Exactly what I think the fish was. So if you have a chance to be swallowed by a fish, I would recommend following Jonah's example. We look at Jonah chapter 1, 17 to 210. Let's read this. What did Jonah do when he was swallowed by the fish? Well, it would appear that one of the first things you do when you enter a fish is pray. <laughs> but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, notice this is not an external prayer. This is an internal fish prayer. He prayed to the Lord his God. Here's what you pray when you're inside a fish. He prays, Lord, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depth of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All of the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But, another big but in this chapter, but you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And then in Hebrew, it says that the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on to dry land. What a story. And what an answer to prayer. The Lord answered that prayer immediately. The interesting point is that God didn't have the fish vomit Jonah in Tarshish. He, he spit Jonah up on the beach back towards where he wanted him to go. Jonah's second faith principle is that when you've disobeyed God, you run away from him, acted in a willfully sinful manner, pray and expect results. Pray and expect results. Jonah 2.10, the Lord commanded the fish in the and it's a spit up Jonah onto dry land, on the beach, after the first recorded submarine journey on earth. Let's go to Jonah chapter 3. You can read this whole book. I would encourage you, read this whole book so that when we meet again next week, you'll have read the whole thing through. It'll be fresh in your mind. We're, I'm, I'm kind of running through 1, 2, and 3 today, and we'll look at chapter 4 next week. Time's, time's so short. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish these first three chapters and, and the three principles, and we'll look forward to next week to finishing it up. The word, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, chapter 3, verse 4. One and then verse four. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. That's his sermon. That was his sermon. And nailed it. I was thinking of coming and just preaching that this morning. I don't know. Sabrina, you think that had gone? 40 more days. 
and St. Catherine's will be overturned. Can you picture this? Jonah preaches the world's worst evangelical sermon. Forty days, and Nineveh will be overturned. It was not meant to be caring or compassionate because he had very little care or compassion for other people. It was basically saying, you're all going to get it bad in 40 days, so get ready, because God's going to do what God's going to do. Now, what would you expect people to do if you came and preached that sermon? If, if we were the Ninevites and, and some crazy man out of a fish <laughs> came and preached me a sermon and said 40 days, you, you would think he's crazy. You might kill him. You could kill him. You could ignore him. You could throw him out. You could call him crazy. Just don't get too close, but we're not sure what exactly what you look like when you come out of a fish after three days. At the very least, they'd probably laugh at him and say, well, no. But what did they do? They did exactly what Jonah did not want. The next verse says the Ninevites believed God. They didn't believe Jonah. They believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. The king, when he heard the news, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. What does it mean to sit down in the dust? Total humility. His robes are aside. He's wearing rough sackcloth. The king then issues a nationwide proclamation. Can you imagine if our prime minister made this proclamation? Mr. Trudeau. Well, here's what the king of Assyria proclaims. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. What a response. These terrible, evil people that Jonah did not love repented. Jonah preaches this terrible sermon. But they believe him. They turned 180 degrees. They all fasted, even the sheep and the cattle and the goats. Everybody fasted. And we know what happened. We continue chapter 3. God saw their repentance, had compassion, and didn't destroy Nineveh. So if you have some things in your life and you need to change them, you need to stop something or you need to start something, if you need to repent and get right with God, Jonah shows us that when we truly repent, God's ready. God's willing, and God is able to bring us back. Verse 10 says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring destruction as he had threatened. Next faith principle, then the last one, preach and let God do his work. Jonah's sermon, Jonah's message was, was not top ten. He needed a couple weeks at the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. Jonah needed a, a little help. His sermon, 40 more days in Nineveh will be overturned, was not eloquent and not inspirational. But it isn't our words that are important. It's our availability. Jonah just needed to go in obedience and let God do his work. 
Well, where has God sent you? We're in St. Catharines, the Garden City. And it's full of people who need Christ. Amen? Our neighbors, our friends, some of our, our, our family members that don't walk with Christ. And, and God is, I'm saying preach and let God do his work. But maybe you, you don't have to use words. Maybe you just need to be available and let God speak through you, through your love, through your care. Go and let him speak his words. Preach and be convincing by being authentically Christ followers. Amen? Do we look differently? We should look, we should act, we should be different than than the world because we're Christ, we're his children. So the Ninevites respond by fasting and repentance and prayer. So what are Jonah's principles saying to us today? Number one, when you hear the voice of God, run. Beloved church family, when you hear the voice of God, run. Run towards that which you know is is good and true and right. I think you've heard the word of God this morning. You hear the word of God through your husband, your wife, your family. You hear the word of God speaking to you through your heart, through the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying to you at this time in your life? What is he saying? What do you need to do? Are you on the right track in the direction you're running? Secondly, pray and expect results. As you pray for God to use you, to use your church, to use you as a family in our community, pray with expectation and expect him to work. Pray with hope and expectation. What is he going to do? Because God will do something amazing through you. Lastly, preach and be convincing. Be ready to tell those around you what God is doing. And you don't have to be a great preacher. We, we have an example of that in Jonah. God is calling you to be available, to let him speak to the world through you. You don't need to be a great speaker. Just look at the words of Jonah. Speak simply and let God work through your words and through your life. Let me finish with Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before all people that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen? Matt, are you going to come up and do another song? Can I pray while you're coming and getting ready? Yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to run in the right direction. Father, show us the right direction to be moving in our lives. If there are walls that need to be torn down, Father, help us to tear them down. If there's bridges that need to be built to family, to neighborhoods, to to those who, who we don't love as much as you love, Father, help us to run. And then, Father, teach us to pray. Pray for those in need. Make us a prayerful, powerful people. And then, Father, help us to preach well with our lives and with us and with our words. To live lives of simple obedience to you. Thank you for joining Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.